0: that he could change my life. I'm so thankful that he saw fit to, to reach to me when I wasn't reaching for him. But my Jesus, he can change my life. He did change my life. He, he can change yours, and I'm so thankful to know him. I'm so glad to see everybody this morning. I'm so glad to see that all of you, I think I saw them there, I'm glad to see all of you made it here to church this morning, Alex and Kewan. Um, they deserved it. I uh, I am glad to see that we can come together and begin to worship. And in the midst of everything going on in the world around us, God meets us here and moves mightily, miraculously. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful to see God moving, not just in First Church, but moving in our world. He's reaching uh, here of revivals around the world. Uh, we, we saw revivals in our Supreme Court this week. And I'm thankful that we have a God that is moving miraculously, mightily for the sanctity of life. I'm excited to see that. We're going to get into the Word for just a few moments. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read verses 10 and 12. Uh, if you're a first-time guest here, we're glad to have you with us this morning. Glad to Welcome to First Church and we're glad to see you. We'd love to have a small gift for you. We'd love to meet with you for a moment after service, if, uh, straight through the double doors in the back and straight through the second double doors if we have any first-time guests. Look forward to meeting with you. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. I'm going to start reading with verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I want to take a moment and uh, just ask the Lord that He will speak through His word to our hearts this morning. Lord God, we thank You. We praise, we exalt You this morning. We ask You to touch our hearts this morning. ask that You speak through Your words, Lord, anoint lips of clay this morning that through your word our hearts can be touched. We exalt you, we lift you up, and we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. It sounds like we're getting some rain out there. Thank you, Jesus. We've needed that, been praying for it, glad to see it. Uh, You can all be seated this morning, and we're going to look for a few moments this morning uh, into the word. And I start with this passage of Ephesians here. We're talking for a few moments today about... uh, about being warriors and realizing that we are called to battle um, for Christ. We're not called as Christians to simply sit on a church pew. I hear it said frequently at conferences and whatnot that, that the pulpit preaching is the, the smallest part of a preacher and that we're not called to be a minister to uh, be in the pulpit. We're, that's just a little bit of it. The rest of the work is there to be done. But but really, as Christians, we're not called to simply make it to Sunday morning and sit on a church pew. That's a a little bit. Christianity is a life. It is so much more than Sunday morning and and Wednesday night, but it's day in, day out relationship for God. But even beyond that, it is taking God to our world. Christ, as He's leaving, says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. He says, take the gospel to everybody. Sister Rebecca just saying, it's, when I come to somebody that needs him, it's let me tell you, let me tell you about my Jesus. He's changed my life. Let me tell you how he can change yours, friend. That's what Christianity is. That's, that's what being Pentecostal is. It's that experience that I've had and then it's letting others experience the same experience. I don't want Pentecost to only happen in my life, only happen in your life. I don't want Pentecost to only happen in this building, but I want it to happen in every life. I would love to reach every person in, in Kennet, but if we couldn't fit them all in this building, I'd, I'd much rather see God just reach every church in Kennet, reach every person and every gathering of people, whether they're in a church house or, or wherever they're meeting, getting together, if they're praying and seeking in their homes. I, I want to get them all together as we can, but I want to see everyone reached, and I want to tell them about my Jesus. But we can't do that if all church is is a couple hours a week sitting on a pew you see i i can't take jesus to somebody that's never going to come through the doors if i don't get to where they are if i can't get somebody i we got pastor sharon preaching passionately every single sunday reaching reaching to our community and and just reaching to those that don't make it into the pews but until we get them here to hear it how are they going to hear how are they going to find it and we find some of what we're called to do alluded to here in Ephesians and for the sake of time we're not looking at all of chapter six but we're looking at these few verses it says be strong in the Lord and the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to stand against the the wiles of the devil, and we don't put on armor to sit on the couch. Now, I, I don't have a lot of experience wearing armor, but I, I used to ride dirt bikes fairly avidly as a, a youth, and when I was too old to be a youth for a little while until my wife made me grow up. And she didn't actually make me grow up. I still haven't grown up, but I don't, I'm just too old to ride dirt bikes because I hurt now. But if I can remember, I'd go out to to ride, and I'd get the bike out of the truck and have it ready to go, but that wasn't where I finished getting ready, because I had pants and boots and a jersey and a chest protector and a helmet and gloves and goggles, and all this went on before I took off. I didn't start out doing that, but I can remember one time breaking all the ribs on this side. And, uh, that wasn't pleasant, so I started wearing the chest protector. remember one time I, I went down in some gravel and all I had on were a pair of blue jeans, and they were shredded up, and so was my leg. And that wasn't real pleasant, so I started wearing the bright protective gear, the pants. And uh, I remember one time that I come around in a corner, and I kicked this leg out, and my bike slid a little, and my head, foot hit, and my ankle twisted, and it swelled up real big, so I started wearing the boots. Mind you, Mom had already got all of the stuff, and I had it all sitting there. I just didn't wear it. And more than once, I remember hitting my head hard enough that Things got a little fuzzy for a few days, so I'd, I'd start wearing my helmet. And I kept doing all that. I, and I remember as I, as I got older and I got off the dirt and began to ride on the street as well, and I was still a youth, and uh, I hit things just as frequently on the street, unfortunately, as I did on the dirt for the first few years. And I remember one day I'm doing, I don't know, 70 miles an hour or so on my back, sliding across the ground, watching my dad's motorcycle slide away from me. Um, he was very pleased, and and I'm sliding across, and I'm thinking in my head, and you don't think you got a whole lot of time when you're like this, going from here to here on your back on pavement, but it seems like a long time, like a long time. In fact, uh, uh, I found out that it seems longer than it is. I thought I was done moving, I I stand up, and I was still doing, I don't know, 40 mile an hour or so, so I went down on my face, slid on my belly for a while, Uh, but I, I found out that I was glad at that point. I've got time to think. I'm watching the sky go by and then the motorcycle flips up and over me and goes like this and I'm still sliding and then I'm off the pavement and sliding down through the ditch and bouncing around. And I start rolling and all I can remember is seeing the, the sky and I'm thinking, sure glad I got this jacket and this helmet and these pants and these boots on. Cause this would hurt a lot if it didn't. It still hurt quite a bit and I've still got a couple scars and Sometimes in the mornings I get up and my, my knees or my hip don't work quite like they should because I just wasn't real bright. But I wonder what would have happened if I'd been in blue jeans and a t-shirt with no helmet on. I used to have, I think I finally got rid of it, I used to have a helmet hanging on the wall that had a big crack through it, and just about split in two, just as a reminder that you always wear the helmet. Because the last thing I wanted to do was split my head open like I'd split that helmet open. Um. Thankfully, I, at some point, learned how to quit hitting things and started riding motorcycles instead of asphalt body surfing, which is not the greatest of sports, uh, but the, the importance of all of this is to keep laughing, check it, you know, you'll be there someday, I hope not. One of, these, one of these things that we look at, though, is he's telling us to put on all this armor. I have never went and put my helmet on and sat on the couch. I say that. I got a new helmet when I was 16 for my birthday and I might have. But other than that I've never just put my helmet on. I don't I don't just go put on my jacket my leather jacket and get it all zipped up, get my helmet on, maybe put some gloves on and just go get me a glass of sweet tea and sit in, sit in a chair for a while. It's that's, that's not something I do because I don't need the armor. If I'm not going somewhere I might need it. I, uh, I got a friend that was a police officer and I'd see him on duty and he always looked like he'd gained 40 pounds because he always had his his bulletproof vest on, but I never saw him off duty wearing the bulletproof vest. It was hot, it was uncomfortable, and there was not much of a chance of him getting shot, so he didn't need it. We don't need this armor of God if all we're going to do is sit on a church pew. If all that Christianity is to me is two or three hours a week, four or five hours a week. If All my relationship with God is is simply I'm going to come in and hang out and feel good for a couple hours, then I'm going to go home, and I'm not going to worry about God again until next week. I don't really need this passage in Ephesians because I'm not doing anything with it. I'm, if you ain't doing anything for God and you're not getting anywhere uh, working for Him and not making any progress in your relationship with Him, you don't need armor because there's not much a chance of you being attacked. Satan's not too worried about somebody that ain't going to heaven anyway. If I'm not doing everything I can to get there, he's not too worried about what I'm doing. There's no need for me to have the helmet of salvation because what am I doing with it? There's no need for me to wear the breastplate of righteousness because there's no fiery darts coming at me. But we're called not to be pew sitters. We're called to be warriors. We're called to battle. We're called to fight against the the enemy. And when we go to the book of 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, one of my favorite passages of scripture, we're looking at David and Goliath. And I, I like to have almost a, a childlike um, enamorment with the story of David and Goliath, the little kid, the underdog that takes down the giant. And we, we get here and, and David comes up, the, the young man, he's there, he's bringing lunch to his brothers. And as he's serving his brother's lunch he's giving to him he's preparing probably to get their food to him and get back to the field go back to watching sheep he wasn't old enough to be in the battle wasn't old enough to fight wasn't big enough to wear the armor but as he is there with his brothers and he hears Goliath come out and as the giant begins to talk about his god and about his country and against his people We get to the seventeenth chapter, verse twenty-six, and everybody is hearing Goliath talk, and he's hollering. The men of Israel, it says, they saw him previously to this. Says they saw him and they fled, for they were sore afraid. The warriors are hiding, and David, it says, spoke to the men that stood by him. He said, "What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel?" He says. We're being embarrassed here, guys. What's going to be done to the guy that takes our honor back, takes the reproach off of us? Uh, who is this guy that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who does he think he is talking about God's people like that? David, you see, he didn't share the same fear that everybody else did. He knew what God could do for him. David remembered his time in the fields with the lion, and his time with the bear when they came up to get, take his flock. He says, God was with me then. God will... Be with us now. He said, But who does this guy think that he is? And sometimes we get to church on Sunday morning and we we come in and we sit on our pew and we get sat down and we may be talking to the person behind the four. Can you have you seen how bad it's getting out there? Have you seen what a mess this world's in? Have you have you seen just how bad that old devil is? He's doing this, and he's Doing this, and he's doing this. And, and David, I wonder if that young boy came into our service. If he'd come in saying, have you seen how bad it is out there? And Have you, have you seen the attacks that, that we're under? And have you seen just how rough it's getting? And this has happened, and that's happened. I'm afraid we'd all be maybe sitting in the pew chatting about how rough it is. And David might come in and stand up in the midst of our conversation and say, who does the devil think that he is? Does he not know? that we are the children of the Most High God. Does he not know who we are? Who does he think he is to come against God's people in that way? He said, because I can know who my God is and I know what he can do. And yet sometimes we seemingly can sit on a pew and watch it walk by. We get to verse 45 of the 17th chapter. David has this point made it, uh, we're, we're skipping a whole lot. Saul tries to put the armor on David and um, David's like I haven't proved this I can't use this armor I haven't grown into this yet and puts it down he goes to the brook he gets some stones he's got his sling And uh, then he, he goes up to the Philistine and now we get to David talking to him he says thou comest to me with a shield or with a sword, a spear, and a shield he says you've got your weapons here your sword it's so big your spear is so long your shield's so big you're a big guy and you've got these large weapons, and, and you come to me with all of those, and everybody else, that's what they see. They see the sword. They see the spear. They see the shield. And because of it, they're back at Camp hiding. The warriors have seen this, and they're hiding. David says, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Verse 46 says, this day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. I will smite thee and I will take thy head from thee. I will give thy carcass uh, to the, of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there's a God in Israel. Verse 47. It says, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. David says, let me talk to you for just a minute, Goliath. You've come with all your weapons, and everywhere you go, everybody's scared of you. It's like the schoolhouse bully if the schoolhouse bully was nine feet tall. Everywhere you go, everybody runs from you, and you've got a a big sword and a big spear and a big shield, and and yeah, you killed a lot of people and lopped their heads off and whatnot. uh, But I don't think you really understand, Goliath, what you've got going on here. I don't think you really understand what you've done when you've came and you've defied almighty God. Goliath came from a place where gods were something that you made and then you set up and then you sacrificed, worship, prayed to something you made out in the shop a little bit ago. David came from a place where when situations come, a God that already was a living God came and he came into that place, into that situation and he made a difference. Saul, or Goliath, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you what my Jesus is going to do in your situation. Unfortunately for Goliath, it wasn't let me tell you how my Jesus can help you, Goliath. It was not let me tell you, Goliath, how my God is going to fix your situation. But it was, hey, you've come to me with this. I've come to you in the name of the Lord Most High. I've come to you in the name of the Lord. And because of that, I'm about to kill you. I'm going to take your sword from you. I'm going to lop your own head off. You come against God and there are some things that just aren't not going to work out for you, Goliath. You defy living God and as such you will lose. David came approaching Goliath like he already knew how the situation ended. He comes approaching Goliath before it's even started. Imagine the, the picture. you got this big tall guy and this Little guy, and this guy's got armor and weapons, and this guy's got a slingshot. Comical to look at coming into battle, but the result was unexpected if you were watching in the physical. But in the midst of this, David comes into it. He says, I already know what's going to happen, Goliath. I already know how this is going to work out, and it's going to end up with your head not attached to your body. And yet, sometimes I come into service and, I'm worried about everything going on. And I find my place in my pew and I sit and I say, oh, woe is me, look how bad it is. The thing is, I've even got it better off than David did. David, he knew what God had done in his life and I know how God's moved in my life, but I've got the Word of God. I can go all the way to the back. I can get to Revelation and start reading how it ends how it works out and as the devil comes against me in my life i can give him the same scenarios david does i can tell him devil you can come at me and you can keep doing what you're doing and i understand you're probably going to but i've already read the back of the book i can already tell you how it's going to work out i can already tell you devil that you'll lose so you can keep coming and you can keep fighting you can Keep coming against me, but do you? who do you think you are? Because you know God was the one that threw you from heaven. You know God was the one that defeated you at Calvary. You know it was my Jesus that was dead for three days and came back. It was my Jesus that came to Lazarus and said, hey, you're dead. Get out of that grave. It was my Jesus that looks at broken homes and broken families and fixes them. It's my Jesus that looks at broken bodies and said, be healed. It's my Jesus that looks at financial situations that are impossible and blesses. It's my Jesus that looks at anything that Satan could ever bring against. And he looks at that, and he looks at that place, and he says, Hey, let me fix this. I wonder if we made a comic book of life. If it wouldn't be, the devil would do something. You see, Jesus, kapow. You know, and the little, like the little star, kapow. We'd see kapow and kapow and kapow and kapow. And kapow and we'd just have to hit, fill the whole page with yellow stars that said kapow. Because there's nothing that Satan can do. There's nothing that can be brought against us. The world can't do anything, can't take anything from me that my God can't give back. The thing is, today, we've all lost things. We've all had things come against us, but we've got to rather than take the attitude of all those warriors that, that went to camp and hid. and I see their eyes just picking up. Can you see how big that guy is? Do you see how long his sword is? But instead, we've got to have that attitude of, of David that says, who do you think you are, Goliath? I see your weapons and I see how big you are. There's probably a pile of guys over there you killed, but let me tell you, Goliath, let me tell you about my Jesus. We we spend a lot of time talking about telling the world about Jesus and telling the hurting and the lost about Jesus, but there are some days that I just need to stand up and I need to tell the enemy. I need to tell him about my Jesus. Let me tell you, devil, there's some things you're just not going to be able to do. Let me tell you, world, there's some things you've brought against me, but it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to work out because let me tell you who I know. Let me tell you how big my daddy is. You ever see two kids getting an argument? My daddy's bigger than your daddy. I tell you what, my if your daddy and my daddy got in a fight, my daddy would whoop your daddy. Your daddy wouldn't have no chance. My grandfather was a young pastor in upstate New York. I think he was on his third church. He was, probably would have been in his 30s. To knock at the door one afternoon and he opens the door and there's a neighbor that Split his time between being a hell's angel and a professional wrestler. Large lad, not the friendliest of guys. Preparing because his his son and my uncle Tony had got in just such an argument and he was ready to settle it and out in the street in front of the preacher's house. He said, won't you come out here, preacher? I'm going to whoop you in the street. Your boy said you could take me. Grandfather... I never heard him tell the story. I would have liked to hear his side of it, but he didn't didn't talk a whole lot. But to hear my uncles tell the story, they said my grandfather turned white as a ghost, just sheet white real quick, because he wasn't sure how he was getting out of it, and this big old boy was about to whoop him up one side, down the other, right in front of the house, which also was right in front of the church house. Good place for the preacher to get beat up, you know? Uh, And he... Begin to chat, and he, all he ever commented on it was, "Son, just learn how to talk good enough; you don't have to fight." About all the comment I ever got from him on it. But, but as the story goes, this this guy comes over, and because the two boys had gotten in an argument, and my uncle, pretty good at running his mouth, and said, "My daddy, he gonna whoop your daddy." He didn't understand the size of his daddy and the other guy's daddy. He didn't know that it probably wasn't going to work out real great, but he was arguing anyway. But I think we, sometimes I can look at the situation in my life and say, do you know who my daddy is? Impossibility, this thing that isn't perfect. Don't you understand that my daddy's the one that takes impossibilities and makes miracles? Sickness that's come against me. Don't you understand that my daddy, he's the the great physician. He's the great healer. He's the one that can take this sickness and take it away. Situations that just don't work. Have you seen my daddy? We get to the book of Exodus, the fifth chapter. I'm going to read the first verse. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in. They told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. I want to talk for a moment about what this looked like in the physical world. We've got Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the king of the largest, most powerful nation on the face of the earth. Pharaoh rules that as he sees fit. Nobody tells him what to do. If he doesn't like somebody, they're dead. If he doesn't like clothes somebody's wearing, they're dead. Whatever the situation be, they're probably dead. Pharaoh does what he wants, when he wants, where he wants, and nobody tells him what to do because he's the biggest, baddest guy there is. And in walks Moses and Aaron. Now, Moses had been raised in the palace, but Moses has spent the last 40 years in the desert. Moses is a rough, a little scraggly looking. Aaron's the same. Both of these gentlemen are Israelites. The Israelites, remember, are the slaves of the Egyptians. So in walks the the Israelites. Hey, Pharaoh, thus says my God. And mind you, Pharaoh, much like Goliath, is from a place where you build your gods. You go down to the shop and you have the, the God-building guy builds you a god and you set him up on a shelf and there you go. And Moses and Aaron, they don't Carry anything in with them. They're just walking in and he says, Hey, the Lord God of Israel says, You gotta let all your servants go, Pharaoh. All these guys you got building pyramids, they gotta go. I realize I may be taking some liberties with history there, but all these guys that you've got got making all these blocks out of mud and clay, that get them out of here. You have to let them go. They've got to hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh's sitting back says, huh, look at these two guys. These morons walked in. They said their God told me they didn't even bring their God with them. And they think he's telling me something. They ain't even got a God. And even if they did, look at the size of them and look at the size of me. Just how good a God you think they've got. They, they've been my slaves for 300 years. <laughs> what kind of God they got if that's what they're, where they're at. And we can look through the story as, Time and time again, Pharaoh's heart's hardened, he says no, and um, then there's a plague, and then they come back, let my people go, and time and time again until we make it through the plagues, and finally Pharaoh has understood just who their God is, because he came to the place that they had lost a whole lot. Imagine the Pharaoh, as the waters turned to blood, Moses says, hey, what do you think about my God now? You ready to let us go yet? He ain't done. Hey, look at all the locusts. They're eating all your crops. You got famine coming for a couple years now. You ready to let us go yet? <laughs> you ever seen so many frogs? There are frogs everywhere. You try to get in bed, there's frogs in it. You try to sit down, there's a frog in your seat. You open a bowl, to get some soup, and there's frog in your soup. Frogs everywhere. And the day comes and they say, Pharaoh, how's your kid doing? your firstborn son, was he alive this morning or are you ready to let us go? You listening to my, to my God yet, Pharaoh? Finally, Pharaoh lets him go. But even then, Pharaoh's heart's far, heart is hardened and as they are leaving, he begins to chase. <coughs> I can imagine Moses looking back at the Red Sea when the most powerful army the world has ever seen is swallowed up and disappeared. Imagine Moses saying, let me tell you about my God. Guys, let me tell you about my Jehovah because under that ocean is the biggest army there's ever been, but they ain't big enough to fight Jehovah. The enemy had taken some things from Moses, and Moses, he walks into Pharaoh's court that first day, and he says, let my people go because I'm going to take back what you've taken from me. I'm going to take back what you've taken and what you've come against me with because you're not going to be able to keep it, Pharaoh, because you ain't as big as my God. The enemy has taken from all of us. We've all faced injustices. We all are at battle. We all find places in struggle, and we will continue to have that for as long as we are on this earth. But we have a decision to make, Because today, whether I sit silently on the sidelines, even if that's on a church pew, or I war mightily against the enemy, the only difference between those two is the decision that I make in my life. It's, is is my walk with God going to be Sunday morning, Sunday evening on a church pew, or is my walk with God going to be me doing what I'm called to do and going to fight against the enemy day in? Day out, walk for God a day in. Day out, live for him as I should for all time because when it comes to the world, all it takes, when it comes to the enemy, when it comes to the battle, when it comes to those things that oppress us, all it takes is... Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you a situation about my daddy because he's a whole lot bigger than yours. Satan, just who do you think that you are because today i come against you in the name of jesus christ i don't have to say in the name of the most high god or jehovah or whichever of these situations they had to the old testament because i come to this battle post calvary i come to this battle with the name of jesus and i can come into each situation each problem each scenario and i can come into this place this battle that i am called to fight and i can say in that place i come against you in the name of jesus christ Health situation, let me anoint you in the name of Jesus Christ. Financial problem, let me bring you before God in the name of Jesus Christ. Healing that's needed, problem that can't be surmounted. Whatever we come against, let me come against you this day, this morning, in the name of Jesus Christ. We walk this earth anyway. We're here um, for a set amount of time. At the the end of the life, they're going to put two dates on our headstone with a dash in between. That dash is going to be what we make of it. I can take that dash and I can let that dash simply be, he came, he sat, he left. He came and he lived and he existed and he left. Most of the world, that's, that's how, how we leave it. But I would much rather that dash... Between the two dates say he came, he fought, and he made heaven his home. He came and he battled and he warred. And at the end of that time, he met his reward. I would like between those two dates, representing that dash on my headstone, to maybe say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you who he is. Let me tell you what he can do for you because I can tell you what he did for me. Today it's real easy to come. Sister Amber if you'd come begin to play. Today it's real easy to look at all the things that are going on in life. Maybe look at things that enemy's taken from us. Look at loved ones that once served him and haven't. Things we had and we don't have now. Maybe we've come to a place we've lost our joy. Maybe we've come to a place that we just don't have what we once had in God, but all I can look at every situation, I can look today at every need, I can look at everything that could come against, anything the enemy could bring, and I can look at it and I can take it back today. I can look with the same voice that Moses did and say, devil, let my people go. I'm taking them back today, devil, because you can't keep them. Because my God's bigger than you are. World, you can't take nothing from me that I can't get back because my daddy is bigger today than your daddy. I understand that we have problems. I understand that each of us came into this place carrying life with us. There is no promise that says you won't go through it. The promise is the opposite. In fact, as we start fighting that fight, as we begin to work and push in our walk with God, we will find some opposition. The harder I fight, the closer I get to God, the harder the devil's going to oppress, the more he's going to push back. But when I come into that place, what I do find is that I don't go anywhere with him or without him. What I do find when I push into that place is that there's nothing that's impossible to my God. What I do find is that no longer do I have to be hiding, wondering how I'm going to get past this. But maybe all I've got is a sling and a couple of stones. I feel like I don't have a whole lot, but what I do have is my Jesus. And I can look to every situation this morning, and I can tell it just who my daddy is. I can look at every problem this morning, I can tell it just who it is that walks with me. Behind me, beside me, is that song we sang earlier. Said, "There's no shadow, no valley. There's no place my Jesus can't reach me." This morning, whatever life you've brought with you, I don't know each situation this morning. Maybe, maybe you brought some problems. Maybe you're doing better better than the rest of us, and you ain't got a problem one. If so, bank this up because there's probably problems coming. Whatever life you've brought with you this morning, I'd like us to know that we can leave this place without it. Oh, we still have to face it, but we don't have to carry it. We're still going to have to live through it, but the weight's not mine, the weight's his. And I can look to that problem this morning, we're going to come to the altars in just a moment. And I can come to that altar, and I can carry that problem up with me, but when I get there, I can throw it off my shoulders. I can set that problem down, and I can tell my God about it. And as I leave, I can look back to that situation, back to that devil, back to that hell that's in my life, back to that world I'm facing. And I can say, in the midst of everything you brought against me, let me tell you, let me tell you this morning about my Jesus. And we can take back everything that we weren't able to bring in with us. We can, the things we brought in, we can lay down at the altar. And the things that we've lost, we can pick back up this morning. And all of that happens, every bit of it, when we quit looking at the situation. And we take it back because when we came into this place, we came in and we met Almighty God. Because when I come and I meet Almighty God and I let Him work, then my situation meets Almighty God. And my situation, much like my grandpa and that biker, my situation don't want any part of Almighty God my problems. They don't want to fa- The last thing in the world the devil wants me to do is bring my problems up to the altar. The last thing in the world the devil wants me to do is go tell my daddy. Because he knows that he ain't as big as my daddy is. He knows that he can't win that fight. This morning I'd like to open these altars up and as we Take the next few moments. I want to bring whatever it is you've carried with you this morning. Whatever situation, whatever hell you've brought in, whatever fight or struggle you've brought with you, bring it to the altar this morning. Because it's in this place that my Jesus meets and it's in this place that my Jesus touches. It's in these altars that we pick something else up entirely and take home with us. This morning, if you've lost something, take it back. If you're fighting something, drop it off. Come and find a place this morning. Let's have an encounter with Almighty God. Sister Amy.